Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to The Dark Parts, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today, as always, is the lovely Queen of Scream, Daphne. Daphne, how are you doing? I am doing well. I've got my iced coffee. We are so close to New Year's Eve. We thought this would be a great time to do a spooky episode about it. Yeah. And and I'm looking forward. How are you? Yeah. And speaking of, Daphne, tell me, what is your favorite thing about ringing in the new year? (laughs) That's going to sound so negative. I hate New Year's Eve. I feel like... Okay. I feel like New Year's Eve is so overrated in a lot of ways, and there's so much pressure to have fun and go crazy and be up till midnight. And I just feel like that's a lot of pressure. So sometimes I feel like it can be super disappointing. But overall, I mean, I think it's nice to have an excuse to spend time with your loved ones and and just have some champagne. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to celebrate. You can relax. And at one year we did like a hot tub where we just relax in the hot tub all night. Yeah. You can go out to bars. Like there's a lot of options. So I like that. Well, Daphne goes to bed at like 5 p.m. So. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like it. And I go to bed at like 10. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. Well, let's get into today's episode. Wait, do we want to talk about how we're ringing in this new year? Uh, I don't... Do we know? I don't... Yeah, we don't have any plans. I I love it because my favorite wine bar here in LA is doing like an East Coast New Year's Eve where they are ringing in the new year at 9 p.m. with a champagne toast. And that's so much more me. I'm like, oh, 9 p.m. Perfect. Then I can be in bed by 10. Yeah, we could do that. Would you be down? I mean, I'd be down for oh, sure. Oh, okay. Or we'll just have a bunch of friends I, over. Yeah, but I think I probably would stay up for the West Coast midnight uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Just because that's me. I stay up really late you anyway. You do. You're a late bird. Yeah, late I am. Late night owl. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a late night owl. Hit it. <laughs> All right, guys. December 31st, a time for friends and family to get together and celebrate the transition into a brand new year. A time to watch a giant lit up ball drop in New York City or a potato if you live in Idaho. They really do that. A time for lovers and friends to share a midnight kiss to bring good luck into their future, and also a time to annoy the absolute fuck out of your neighbors with hand clappers, blowouts, and kazoos. New Year's marks a time where we leave our worries and troubles in the past and begin to plan new accomplishments and goals, and for people to obnoxiously state the phrase, New Year, New Me. If you say that, you're getting punched. But not every celebration ends with a champagne hangover and picking up millions of pieces of confetti off the floor. Sometimes, New Year's isn't exactly what you expected, and the night that is typically known for its celebration and cheer can sometimes turn into a night of darkness and fear. So strangers, put on that plastic top hat that you've had sitting in the back of your closet for years, and make sure that you've got a list of resolutions that'll go right out the window come February. (laughs) because we're about to dive into some New Year's evil in an episode that we call The Dark Parts New Year's Special. First things first, how do we mark the new year? When was it created and why? Well, according to the Gregorian calendar, New Year's Eve, also known as Old Year's Day or St. Sylvester's Day, marks the last day of the year and the transition into our new year. No shit. 
And for those who don't know, the Gregorian calendar is just the calendar used in most parts of the world, and it was introduced in October 1582 by Pope Gregory XIII as a modification of and replacement for the Julian calendar. And that was Julius Caesar who uh, originally made that calendar. There we go. History. The principal change was to space leap years differently so as to make the average calendar year 365 days long. Now, over time, many traditions have come to be in order to obtain good fortune and good luck from all around the world, and some are a bit out there, like Brazil, for example, where citizens head to the beach to jump over seven waves and make a wish for every wave they jump, or in Denmark, where people smash dishes on their family's doorsteps to create good luck or a good mess. But what are some of the things that you can do to create bad luck headed into the new year? Well, we've got a list of things for you strangers, and here's number one. According to Chinese lore, cleaning your house after a New Year's party appears to be bad luck because it cleans away all the good luck that you've acquired the night before. So I guess leave your place a mess? I could not deal with that. Number two, don't cry on New Year's Day. No matter how hungover or sad you are that you didn't get a kiss at midnight, crying will set the tone for the next 12 months to come. So dry those eyes, strangers. Number three, don't eat lobster or chicken. I think this is kind of like the funniest one. (laughs) Yeah, I found. Yeah. So the thought is that because chickens have wings, your luck could fly away. And since lobsters walk backwards, consuming them might hold you back. And the best thing to eat is apparently a lot of greens. So like a veggie meal might work out best for you. Yeah, I heard that if you eat a lot of greens and I guess even fish, I suppose, I I read in another article. But do fish swim backwards? No. No, 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 no. I'm saying those are good things for you to eat. Fish and veggies. Got it. Number four, don't loan money or pay any bills on New Year's Day because according to tradition, it will guarantee that you'll be doling out money all year long. So just wait a day or two and you're apparently all good, but that doesn't help the millions of people who have to pay their rent on the first. On the first. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of fucked if you have to pay your rent on the first. Uh, Which most people do, I think. Yeah. So those are just a few things to get you started, but if you're looking for more traditions and superstitions, there are about a thousand more that you can find on the internet. But because this show is called The Dark Parts and not Things to Do to Avoid Bad Luck, let's get into the juicy stuff, as we often say. The things that have made this holiday a complete nightmare for some. Now, a particular hotel located in Chicago is said to be the site of one New Year's tragedy that led to paranormal sightings for over a century now. The Drake Hotel, located at 140 East Walton Place, is known as a luxury full-service hotel overlooking beautiful Lake Michigan and hosting 535 rooms, 74 suites, many restaurants, two ballrooms, a secluded lobby, and also a members-only club. Sounds deliciously luxurious. Oh yeah. So built in 1919 by hotel mogul John Drake and his wife, the brand new hotel would finally open on New Year's Eve of 1920. That night, about 2,000 of the most influential people in Chicago at the time gathered together to ring in the new year and the hotel's stunning gala. In attendance that night was described only as the lady in red, who wore an elegant gown of bright red color. Now, according to the legend, the lady in red had gone up to her room to retrieve something 
only to find that her husband was being unfaithful with another woman. Distraught about this discovery, the lady in red entered the elevator and made her way to the 10th floor, although some say that she actually went to the roof. It was at this moment that she leapt from the building just before midnight and fell to her untimely death. It said that because this was the opening night of the Drake Hotel, John Drake made sure that the tragic event didn't make it into the newspapers as to not jeopardize his investment and also to not scare off his guests. But after the tragedy, guests of the hotel began to witness a lady in a red dress roaming the halls of the building. God, that sucks. I mean, night one, come on. Yeah. And it's said that she can be seen in the gold room, the palm court, but is most often seen on the 10th floor. But what's more interesting is that this wouldn't be the only ghost to make appearances inside the hotel. On January 20th, 1944, so a few weeks after the new year, a woman named Adele Bourne Williams was murdered in her room at the Drake Hotel. Mrs. Williams was the 58-year-old wife of Frank Starr Williams, who worked for the United States uh, State Department, posted in Washington, D.C. And she entered her eighth-floor apartment at the hotel with her daughter, Patricia Goodbody, and almost immediately encountered a woman who was gray-haired, about 50 years old, and wore a black Persian lamb coat and flowers or red trimming in her hair or hat. Investigators picture the murderess as, quote, a little cunning, a little savage, and probably a little mute because she uttered no words as she opened fire on her defenseless victim. There were four shots fired at such close range that the flame from the weapon seared the victim's face and left hand. Two witnesses claimed they heard the gunfire and saw the woman leaving the scene. And Chester P. Brewster, who was the general manager of the KD Tool Manufacturing Company of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, said, quote, I opened the door as I heard the shots. As I did so, a woman brushed by me. Then a few seconds later, there was a scream and a woman, whom I now know as Mrs. Goodbody, come out of apartment 836 screaming, quote, Do something, do something! My mother's been shot! Another witness reported, quote, I could have tripped her in the hallway, but I'm not in the habit of tripping strange women. What a 1920s way of saying, <laughs> I don't trip bitches. <laughs> like, what? So the murder weapon had been recovered from a stairwell and an intensive events investigation would drag on for months, but no one was ever prosecuted for the crime and the crime still remains unsolved. But just like the lady in red, the woman in black has been seen by guests haunting the hotel. We also found a very eerie photo from the hotel's opening that's in black and white. And it kind of looks like the black and white photo from The Shining. Like, I mean, to me, it really looks like it with all the guests like standing together to ring in the new year and looking at the camera. So go check that photo out um, and obviously other photos on our socials. Yeah, this just kind of makes the whole story seem that much more eerie when you see the photo, because it's just like... It's creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. It's 1920s black and white creepy. And by the way, when we said apartment 836, so some people actually did live at the hotel, including John Drake and his wife, um, but others were just guests. So I guess saying apartment is basically just saying room. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like that makes sense. 
Yeah. So, with so many parties going on, there's bound to be a little bit of chaos along the way. And such was the case for a couple living in Alabama. On New Year's night of 2015, a woman and reality TV star Danielle Yancey and her husband were shocked when they discovered an unexpected and unwanted visitor prowling around their home. At 11 p.m. that night, Danielle's husband noticed something creeping around their back porch. He was passing by a window and was shocked when he saw a naked man crouch down, completely naked, wearing a Ronald Reagan mask on his face and a sock on his ding-dong. Shut up. That's so fucking creepy. When you see... Oh, my God. A when you see the video... The sock is just a terrible detail. Yeah. But the the Ronald Reagan mask, what the fuck? When you see the video, you are going to be so... Because he's just creeping and crawling. Wait, can, can we watch it right now? Give live feedback? Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, okay, go. jump two. We just pulled it up. Okay, wait. There it is. There he is. Ooh. Look. Oh, oh look no, at the face. No, no. Look at the face. Oh my god, it's even scarier that this is in black and white. Okay, that is so creepy. So he like, it looks like he tried to climb over the fence at first. But then he just opened the gate. And then he opened the gate and he's just crouching down. Oh my god, and he's, yeah, like fully naked. Fully naked. You can't see the sock, by the way. He's blurred out, luckily. Oh, and then he just runs. Yeah, then he runs away. And he's like looking in the windows. That is freaky. Yeah, super scary. And we are going to post that video on our socials for you guys to see. Yeah, by the time you listen, it'll be there. So as soon as Danielle's husband noticed the peeping Tom, he ran after him, but the suspect was able to escape. Now, Danielle took to Facebook to post the terrifying video that she captured from her surveillance camera, just hoping that someone may be able to recognize this culprit. And I got to say, obviously, as we mentioned, you need to go watch this video. I also need to mention that everybody should have a security camera. I mean, ring doorbell cameras are like 60 bucks on Amazon. 2022, people. Just do it. Get on it. So while it turns out that this entire thing was just an elaborate prank devised by some bored teenagers in the neighborhood who eventually came clean to Danielle and her husband, but I'm positive that image of the naked Ronald Reagan will probably haunt them forever. Well, and just the thought that somebody was creeping through their windows, even if it was a prank, like they still did that. That's still creepy as fuck. You know? Yeah, I mean, you still got naked, put a sock on your wiener, and also wore a God. Ronald Reagan mask. It's just weird. It's very anyway. weird. But I'm glad the kid came forward, and uh, Danielle says that she hopes that that was a learning lesson. Oh, sure. Speaking of unwanted guests... In Japan, young men dress up in demon costumes and go door to door to scare people into being less lazy. So they also threaten to take away misbehaving children and can only be coaxed into leaving once the head of the household offers sake and rice cakes. Yeah, so it, it would be a good idea if you lived in Japan to just have, you know, sake yeah. and rice cakes on hand. <laughs> I'm sure you probably would anyway. Yeah, those I mean, are very popular I, items. This is essentially like the Japanese version of Krampus, except this is New Year's Eve and not Christmas. Exactly. But, you know, at least there's a positive side to the tradition, I guess, because it's said that the demons also bring protection from illness and disease, as well as a good harvest and plentiful food for the year. So there's that. 
But I guess they must have skipped 2020. <laughs> yeah, it appears so. <laughs> anyway, so other cultures don't even celebrate the new year on January 1st. For example, in Chinese culture, the new year changes each year, but is celebrated any time between January 21st and February 20th, and they too have their own New Year's monster. What is called Nian which is translated to year, is a monster in China that, according to legend, killed and attacked villagers thousands of years ago. The monster is said to be afraid of loud noises, bright lights, and the color red, so those things were used to chase the beast away. During the winter, when food was scarce, it would raid villages, eating the crops, and sometimes the villagers themselves, particularly their children. So many child eaters, I know. Why are there so many child-eating monsters? (laughs) Several accounts describe its appearance, with some claiming that it resembles a flat-faced lion with the body of a dog and prominent incisors. So if you're in China during the new year, don't be surprised to see a ton of fireworks and citizens wearing lots of red. Yeah, and it appears that that's the reason for a lot of fireworks in China. So oftentimes, New Year's partygoers are too intoxicated to realize the odd things that are going on around them. But for Reddit user HLLBLZR310... I think it's Hellblazer. Hellblazer (laughs) 310. That would not be the case on one New Year's Eve night. At about 2.30 a.m., after a night of celebrating the New Year, the Redditor and their friend decided to walk the short distance home to finally just call it a night. But as they walked, they passed by a dimly lit alley when they noticed something odd and stopped to get a better look. The Redditor described, quote, That's when we saw it. Something that looked like a naked person that wasn't quite human, limping down the street towards us. It moved as though it were half squatting, and because of this, its hands dragged along the ground as they hung limp at its sides. I couldn't make out its face, and Max told me later that he couldn't either. It was also making a throaty, gurgling noise, as if it was almost choking on something. Terrifying to see that coming down a dark alley. No, thank you. So, terrified out of their minds, the Redditor and the friend began to run away as fast as possible, but swear to this day that whatever they had witnessed in that dark and eerie alley that night would forever give them nightmares. And speaking of being intoxicated and being unaware of things, another couple who had been hosting a New Year's Year's Eve party explained yet again on Reddit that they encountered what they believed to be a ghost on New Year's Eve. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick little break. back. Heath, tell us that Reddit story. Reddit user Hits Guitar explained that an old woman dressed in white randomly appeared inside their house explaining that she had gotten lost on her way to another New Year's party nearby. The Redditor, feeling sympathetic to the woman's situation, agreed that she could stay and warm up inside and also join the festivities. That's nice considering this is a total stranger. Yeah, total stranger, but you know, sometimes that's how parties go. 
But at some point in the night, the Redditor noticed that the woman had seemingly disappeared. I mean, vanished into thin air. So confused by this, he walked to the front door and noticed that it was locked, which was odd considering the old woman had left. She couldn't have locked the door on her way out without a key, he thought. So he unlocked the door and peered outside, only to find that two scarves had been placed on the front doorstep, but the woman in white was nowhere to be found. He shut the door quickly and locked it behind him with an uneasy feeling. How and when did this woman leave? He began to check the windows and every point of entry to the home, but they were all closed and locked. He asked partygoers if they had seen the woman leave, but no one had. And furthermore, no one truly knew how the woman got inside in the first place. The Redditor added, quote, A cousin saw the woman in his dreams a few nights later, though no one ever saw her again. He believed that the scarves could have been some sort of symbol or omen, but whether it was good or bad, he truly did not know. Very creepy, especially, you know, the door lock. How'd she get in? Yeah, how the fuck did she get in there? Very creepy. So when we talk about New Year's Eve, we can look back in our life and note some of the memorable events that took place. Maybe for you, it was Taylor Swift eating shit down a flight of metal stairs during a performance to celebrate the 2015 New Year's on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. No offense, Taylor. But it's okay, she was able to shake it off. Get it? I do. (laughs) Or maybe it was that Dutch guy getting completely rejected of a New Year's kiss on live TV. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Yeah, there's a bunch of really hilarious gifts of that. But I, for one, can remember a particular year when the entire world almost lost its damn mind. A night when we all wanted to party like it's 1999, well, at least until midnight, when computer programmers noted that we might have a problem. See, when computer programs were being written in the 1960s through the 1980s, engineers used a two-digit code to mark the year because data storage was limited. So if the year was 1970, for example, it read just 70. Well, as the year 2000 was approaching, programmers realized that computers might not recognize 00 as 2000, but possibly as 1900. And this is how the millennium bug known as Y2K came to be. The U.S. worried about nuclear missiles being launched due to technology malfunctions and companies predicted that global damage caused by the millennium bug would cost up to $600 billion to rectify. Not only this, but certain religious groups saw this as a sign of end times or the great apocalypse. Here's one interview that we found of a man speaking about his predictions of Y2K. It reads, quote, A year from now, on January 1st, 2000, Thomas Clark plans to be somewhere other than his Chicago home. A member of the Forest Preserve Bible Church, Clark is stocking up on food, has a hand mill for grinding grain into flour, and will decamp to the wilderness in advance for the first day of next year. That is when he and many other Christians believe a computer bug will trigger a major breakdown of our societal infrastructure. Yeah, and I actually remember this very, very clearly because I think I was maybe in about sixth grade. I was like five. <laughs> yeah, you might have been a little too young. But I remember because my, my family was... Oh, no, I was six. Oh, no, I was five. Sorry. Yeah, Continue. five, yeah. Um, but I remember this because my family at the time was somewhat religious. They were still, you know, going to church and stuff like that. So all these people were telling them like, hey, this could be the end. That's wild. And they're telling me... 
as, as a sixth grader, I'm like 12 years old. They're telling me that like, hey, I don't know. Like when, no. the, when the clock strikes midnight tonight, I don't know where we're going to be. Oh, my God. And I was like, fuck. That's dark. I was really scared. But the crazy thing is that he was far from being alone, this guy. Millions from around the world predicted that the world was going to come to an end. In fact, even the president, Bill Clinton, urged businesses to concentrate on ways to solve the millennial meltdown. He said, quote, Any business that approaches the new year armed only with a bottle of champagne and a noisemaker is likely to have a very big hangover on New Year's morning. The government believed that phone networks would shut down, electrical brownouts could happen, air traffic could be disrupted that would result in planes falling from the sky. God, that's scary. Yeah, and bank accounts and payments of Social Security and Medicare would be affected horribly. But the greatest thing was that none of what was predicted ever came to fruition. Waking up on January 1st, 2000 was a huge relief to the entire world. There's something about a new year that can be terrifying to all of us. Whether that means financial ruin, bringing evil spirits into the future, or simply not meeting any expectations that you set for yourself. In Ireland, citizens believe that banging Christmas bread on the walls and doors of your home can ward off bad spirits. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. So uh, you just smash bread against your walls. And then you got crumbs. They also believe that the first person to step through the door of the family home on January 1st has a significant bearing on the year ahead. Yeah, so make sure it's not like your shitty cousin Eddie or like your your annoying uncle or aunt or Just something sure like that. make sure it's you. Just make sure it's like a, a person that you really like. In Chile, residents gather at the local cemetery and spend the night there having a large party with food and music to honor their deceased relatives, which I think in itself could sound spooky, but that actually sounds really awesome and wonderful. Yeah, I mean, if like imagine if you were a dead person, obviously you wouldn't know, but it would be nice to know oh that like, hey, my family is going to be chilling with me on New Year's. Yeah, it's like it seems very positive. And in other cultures, it's believed that if you open all the doors and windows of your home just before midnight, night, you will let out evil spirits and make room for good spirits to enter. Yeah, so just make sure you open everything up. In Ecuador, people create scarecrows filled with paper and burn them to banish ill fortune, but they also burn photographs that remind them of the past year in a bad way. And in the most strange tradition that we could find, probably, people of Mexico, Bolivia, and Brazil say that your fortunes are determined by the color of underwear that you wear. Like those who want love wear red and those who want money wear yellow. For yeah, some which reason. is interesting. You would think that maybe it probably has to do with gold. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think green, but that's what I would. Think. I don't know actually what color is money in Mexico. I don't know. Oh, that's true. Well, I think it's like a bunch of different colors, like how it is. I mean, I don't know when this tradition was created, so maybe it was different then. But I think it's like a bunch of different colors, unlike the U.S., where it's mostly just one Green. or two. Yeah. Except for $100 bills, which are blue now. Yeah, they are like a blue color now. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway so We're the, not cash experts here. Yeah, we're not. So the last story that I want to share with you is titled 12.01 a.m., and it shows us the true dark side of New Year's Eve. And by the way, I could not find an author to this story, but it's very, very creepy. And it goes like this. Five minutes left, everyone. Find your someone special. Sarah rolled her eyes. 
the university had been extra cruel with her timetabling this year, and her exams were to start on the 4th of January, which not only meant that she was taking a test on Saturday, but that she was also stuck in the library on New Year's Eve. Her friends had tried to lure her to the impromptu street party that had sprung up outside the dorms, but this exam was much too important. Her first round of exams hadn't gone so well, and she was expected to resit in order to catch up. She wasn't the only one with her head in the books that night. Amy, her course mate, if that's what you want to call her, was also expected to resit in order to pull her up from a fail to a pass. Now, Sarah had struggled with the workload, leading her to fail, but her fellow library goer for the night simply never turned up to lectures. So it kind of seems like Amy just didn't want to do the work, but Sarah just, you know, had it too hard. Sarah had hoped that Amy wouldn't base her study operation too close to her own area for the night, expecting that she'd be asking countless questions about the course content. Thankfully, Amy contained to herself in the private study area, leaving Sarah to revise in peace. A guy that Sarah didn't recognize had also entered the library that night, but she hadn't seen him since he had first arrived a few hours earlier. They had exchanged polite smiles, and they left it at that. Slamming her hefty book closed on the sleek new tables the university had installed during its modernization period, she circled her fingertips around her temples, attempting to subdue what felt like the beginnings of a headache. The revelers in the street had increased in decibel as the clock drew closer to midnight, so she stuck her hand into her mess of a handbag and fumbled around for her phone. Locating the device, she clicked on the side button, and sure enough, the time read 11.59 p.m. Deciding to at least acknowledge the impending new year, she wandered over to the window to partake in the festivities, even if it was from the silence of the library. Three, two, one, Happy New Year! Making sure she was truly alone in her little area of the library that night, she did a jig of sorts to celebrate the arrival of 2014 and just as quickly regained her composure, readying up for the next couple hours of studying. Stealing one last glance at the party in the street, which had broken into song with Auld Lang's sign, she headed back to her table. Spotting her phone dancing around dangerously close to the edge of the table, she realized that someone had managed to fight through the millions of phone calls being made at that precise moment and get through to wish her a happy new year. Catching it just as it was about to drop onto the thinly carpeted floor, she frowned at the unknown number message flashing in her hand. 12.01 a.m. on New Year's Day, it must have been someone that she knew, so she slid her thumb across the screen and answered. Happy New Year, she exclaimed, expecting a familiar voice to identify themselves on the other end to no luck. The crowd had gotten louder with the second rendition of Auld Lang's sign, so she blocked her other ear with her finger in an attempt to hear the caller. I can't hear you. Speak up, she said, frowning at the festivities now. Still, nothing. Moving to the corner of the room, she could just about pick up a faint thumping noise on the other end. Realizing that this was quite possibly a pocket dial, she shouted, Hello, down the phone to try and gain the attention of her midnight dialer. She could just hang up, but it was 2014, and she wanted at least one person to talk to for a few minutes. 
Pushing her call control buttons on the screen, she changed the call to speakerphone to try and figure out who it was. Almost on cue, the drunken partygoers had grown tired of singing and had resumed normal celebrations for the night. But still, there was thumping on the other end of the phone. It didn't really fit the profile of a pocket dial, which usually featured some heavy rustling and voices on the other end. This call was silent, except for a thump, thump, thump noise. Resigning herself to defeat, she was about to hang up when a new noise filled the air. A dragging sound. She frowned. What on earth is this call about? And then footsteps. It dawned on her that someone was dragging something on the other end of the line. And for some reason, this made her very nervous. Setting the phone back to its normal call mode, she decided to go find her course mate and get a second opinion. That and to calm herself down. Something just didn't sound right. She didn't know what, but it had freaked her out. She made her way across the main library floor to the stairs which led to the private study area. For some reason, she was creeping down the steps one by one, but she didn't stop herself. The air felt tense around her, despite the celebrations happening outside. She found her way to the area that her course mate had said that she was headed and then pushed through the door, letting it swing shut behind her to alert Amy to the fact that she was coming and partially just to break the silence that was making her nervous. Deciding that she was only freaking herself out, she called out, Amy, before she came to the private area. Just as she rounded the corner, she stopped. Every single hair on her body stood on end, and dread filled her limbs. The smiling man from earlier was dancing around with one of Amy's arms in his hand leaving a dark stain of blood across the carpet as he dragged her. You finally joined the party. Come, dance. So strangers, what did we learn today? We learned that the undies that you wear on New Year's can tell a lot about what you want in the future. And as long as they're not brown, you're probably safe. Because that just means that you didn't wipe good enough. God, petition to get Heath to stop talking about shit and butts please sign here. It'll probably never happen. We also learned that if you see a lady in black, red, or a white dress on New Year's, you could be looking at a ghost. But most likely, it's just a regular person at your party, unless you're at the Drake or Hits Guitars' house. And lastly, we learned, don't eat chicken, don't pay your bills, don't loan money, don't clean your house, and lastly, don't be a crying sad sap. Cheer up, babes. It's New Year's, and you made it another year. Happy New Year's, strangers. Today's horror tip comes to us from the 1980 film Terror Train. Be careful what New Year's pranks you decide to pull because you may end up on a train with a traumatized killer who never forgot what you did and is out for a bloody revenge. That's such a great movie. Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Dark Parts. Yes, we hope you were spooked and intrigued. We just tried to kind of find all the creepy New Year stuff that we could. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting traditions and such, but, you know, we, we just thought it would be a good idea for the New Year. And next week, next week, on to some spooky 
winter tales. Yeah, we have a lot of spooky winter tales. You know, I tried to just kind of compile all these different stories from New Year's. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. And I really appreciate you guys listening. Also, if you want to leave us a review, please do so. We would love that. Yeah, that's only if you listen on Apple. Um, It really helps us get a little bit more notice. We're still trying to kind of get this show off the ground more. So thank you so much to everybody who has been a loyal listener all this time, or maybe you're new. All the same, we appreciate you. We hope you have a great new year. And thanks for tuning in to our little show. Yeah, and hopefully your hangover isn't too terrible. Oh, and stay very safe. All right, guys, we'll see you next time in the dark parts. (laughs) 